If you are looking to elevate your leadership and drive your nonprofit forward, I invite you to subscribe to the Successful Nonprofits newsletter. Every week, I curate exclusive shareworthy content that sparks inspiration, innovation, and conversation. From the latest trends to timeless advice, the weekly email newsletter is your all-access pass to a treasure trove of resources. But receiving the newsletter is not just about staying informed. It's also about getting our best content first. Subscribers get first access to our newest downloadable templates designed to propel your leadership and amplify your impact. And that's not all, my friend. We are constantly working on new ways to support you and your mission. So as a subscriber, you'll get updates on our latest projects, opportunities to participate in surveys, and a say in the topics that we tackle next. You will essentially get me as a consultant, coach, and confidant in your inbox, ready to help you navigate the challenges of nonprofit leadership. So if you're an executive director, board chair, or a nonprofit leader who believes in making a difference, join me as a newsletter subscriber. Visit SuccessfulNonprofits.com forward slash newsletter to sign up today. And now, friend, let me take you to the episode you've downloaded. Welcome to the Successful Nonprofits Podcast. I'm your host, Dolph Goldenberg. And friend, today, today we are going to have a great episode with Joey Goon. And let me just start by asking you, have you ever wondered why some events are truly unforgettable, while others are just transactions that you barely remember, not even in a month, but like in a week, you barely remember them. Well, if you were worried that the memories from your events aren't being savored and cherished and remembered even a month later, Joey Goon will share wisdom that will make your events unforgettable. And by the way, an unforgettable event is an event that sells out year after year after year because people want to make those memories. Joey is with Utopia Experience and has produced live, hybrid, and virtual events all across the nation. And he shared the secrets behind crafting extraordinary events that captivate your community. He shared those secrets with me when we were at Cause Camp together this year. So in this wide-ranging episode, we are going to discuss the three C's of successful events and dive into the neuroscience of truly memorable experiences. Hey, Joey, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dolph. It's really great to be here. I appreciate you having me. Now, I know the first time you said to me the three C's, I honestly, I kind of felt bad because I had to stop and be like, okay, what are the three C's of an event? So if we could start there, because I, I feel pretty confident I, I have a friend or two that are that's listening right now that's wondering that as well. Yeah, I'm happy to unpack it. And before I do, I just have to throw out a disclaimer. I am not an academic neuroscientist by trade. So I throw that out there. This is all um, information that we've borrowed from our friends over at Exchange Approach. And they have some of the top neuroscientists, doctors, physicians, um, and scientists that are really making sense of this data. So for us, it's sort of anecdotal. We apply it to our events and it works. But for them, it's a lot more scientific. So I just wanted to preface that. The 3C model is really a way for us to sort of make sense of why people decide to attend events. And so I'll just dive right in is really like, 
and, and, and by the way, I think it's really important to distinguish the fact that what we believe is that people come for two reasons, but they come back for one. So they come for the first two Cs, but they come back for the third C. So the first C, unpacking it for you, is that it's, it's really all about um, content. People want to come to events to learn something new. Dolph, it's one of the reasons why we went to, to Cause Camp. We want to learn from other individuals that have knowledge that we find interesting that we can apply in our lives. And so we want to be made better for that knowledge. And the same is true for all of your events as well. People want you to teach them something. But what we're learning is that information is kind of ubiquitous because we stopped watching live TV 20 years ago. We watch it on demand now, right? You can get on your remote and just click a button and you're on Netflix or Hulu or YouTube. And so when we just the same, we stopped getting our information from encyclopedias 10, 15 years ago. Now we get it from TikTok. So people can get learning on demand anywhere. And so the way people are learning is changing and evolving. And so we have to be changing and evolving in the way that we're delivering information at our events. So that's the first thing is content. Joey, I feel pretty confident that we've got a development director or executive director who's listening, and they're saying to themselves, well, our event is just like an annual gala or an annual golf tournament. And people come because they know us and they care about us or because they want to play golf. What would you say to them in terms of why content is important for their event? Yeah, I, you know, I would pose a question back to that director of development, and I would say, how are people really falling in love with you and your mission? How are they coming to know you? And I would, I would venture to, you know, to this is an assumption, but I think at all events, you know, we're up there sharing a story. Maybe there's a fun to need video that's played, a mission moment video, and an appeal. We're helping people understand how we're enhancing lives through their gifts. And so that is really content. So I just I wanted to unpack that. I think that's a great question to unpack that a little bit further. That the content is not us just standing up there reading an encyclopedia of who we are. There's multiple different types of mediums and ways we might deliver information to our audience. And a fun to need video or an appeal video or a board member or a stakeholder or a recipient standing up there sharing their personal story is, is, is one of those ways. Thank you. And I, and I think that definitely answers that question that someone's probably asking. Well, what about the second C? The second C is connection. And so this one quite simply is that people want to connect with other people and they want to network and create relationships with other individuals like them. So they want to connect with people, network, and build relationships. Uh, obviously, I can think of lots of ways that events help people do that. Can you share some of your expertise about the ways that you've seen events, not just create an open space for people to do that, but to actually actively facilitate that for people? Absolutely. Uh, oh my gosh, Dolph, we could have an entire conversation about this. Um, okay, so we just produced a gala for an organization two weeks ago. And one of the things that we did is before we went into the live auction, we put a QR code up on the screen. And the QR code, they scanned it. And we asked everyone to, we're going to do a two-question survey. The first question was, how long have you been a donor of our organization? And so we showed the results in real time. So we had you know LED walls in the room, which are kind of like projectors. They're just newer, neater technology. And you saw those results in real time on the screen. We've got 
you know, 30 to 40% of the room had been there for more than 10 years, which was amazing. So we asked the donors who had been there for more than 10 years to stand up so we could acknowledge them. Everyone applauded. It was great. And then we had them sit down and we realized that also 30% of the room was there for the first time that night. Hmm. That's a large demographic of individuals that we as an organization should know and have a pulse and realize that, wow, 30% of this room is here for the first time. We have a huge opportunity to bring them in deeper, right? To make them feel a part of this bigger community. How do we do that? So we had those donors stand up. Then we said, okay, you all that have been here for, this is your first time here, stay standing. And then we had all of the 10-year donors, we played music, and we had all the donors that had been there for a longer period of time, five years, 10 years, 15, get out of their chairs and go high-five those people give them a hug, welcome them into the community, into the space, tell them, hey, we want you to be us, right? Like there's a reason we've been here for five years, 10 years, 15 years. And so what we did for those first time donors is we made them feel connected, important, and appreciated. And that's one of many ways that we can just bring that little art of connection into our events to break up the program. And it was so well received. Everyone was laughing, high five in. And then from there, we went into the live auction. So I love that. I have never seen that done before, and it's ingenious. What a phenomenally good idea to really build connection and bring people into the fold. For us, this is not you know groundbreaking or earth-shattering. It's just we're trying to really understand the, how to change physiology, right? Because I went to a gala by myself last weekend. My wife and I have a 10-month-old, and so it becomes a lot more difficult for us to find a babysitter and like you know do this whole thing but I wanted to go and support the organization. And so I'm an individual, one person walking into an event with 500 strangers. And I'm just sitting in a corner, kind of twiddling my thumbs, looking at all the silent auction items, walking around the room awkwardly. And if there was some type of connection activity like that, it would make me as one person coming into this new community feel a lot more comfortable. I, yeah, again, like I just, I think that's such an incredible, really, really incredible idea. Do you maybe have one other unique way that many of us have not seen that helps create connection? Sure. Can I share two quick ones? Of course. Okay. So the first one is consider doing a red carpet for your grand entrance. Just have a a camera there. So we're repurposing the red carpet. We're not just taking pictures on the red carpet. We're actually recording video. And we did this a couple months ago for a school. It was a private school. And so we had the favorite, the kids' favorite teachers as the MCs on the red carpet holding microphones and they're interviewing mm. the parents as they come in. And we asked the director of development and the directors of advancement at the school, what are the most pertinent questions that you want us to gather? What's the most important information for you? And they said, well, of course, the admissions office wanted to know how many kids do they have and how old are those kids so we know when to bring them into our community. So of course, we asked those questions but not before we peppered in other questions. What do you love? You know, Am I your kid's favorite teacher? Be honest. Making them feel warm and comfortable. And then we asked, how many other kids do you have? Do they want to come to our school? Oh my God, that's great. We'll have someone reach out. And so then we took all this recorded video footage of 350 interviews on the red carpet and turned it over to the admissions and the advancement and the development team. And now they not only do they have information that they can start to have intentional follow-up strategies with those individuals based on what they shared on the red carpet. But they have sound bites to market on their social media channel. They can pull those sound bites out and they're like, oh my God, this is what Dolph loves about our school. And it's a 20-second sound bite of Dolph, what you may have shared on that red carpet. 
if I say we don't have time for one more, I know I'm going to get hate hate emails from people. So we absolutely have time for one more. But before we go to that one more, I just want to reflect what a really great way to prime your attendees to give that night and to get them to give in the future too. Phenomenally good idea. Let's go to the additional one. So this was, and this is the one that I wish we had at that event last week that I attended. Because the cocktail hour for me is the most awkward part because it's just 500 people for an hour drinking cocktails. And I just had, I was one glass of wine and I wasn't planning on getting trashed, right? So my my social confidence wasn't Mm -hmm. where it would have been if I had two or three glasses of wine. So I just wanted someone to like envelop me into the community. And here's one way we recently did it with one of our organizations. So if you're familiar with the Van Gogh Art Museum, it's basically like this cool interactive video guided tour of all of Van Gogh's work. Hmm. We did that at a gala. And so we had these huge display walls in the ballroom and we had four of them. And each display wall was the story of a family whose lives had been enhanced by the gifts from the donors. Hmm. And each of those four display walls highlighted the four different programs that the nonprofit offers. So what we did is when the donors walked to the registration table or donors, prospective donors, attendees, they walked to the registration table and we gave them a color. And we said, listen on the loudspeaker, the PA system, we're going to call you by color. So the blue group was the first group and it was 20 to 25 donors in a group. And we had volunteers guide them through this interactive, immersive video experience with four different minute and a half long videos. And those volunteers were answering questions and helping them understand those various programs and and who these kids are and where the kids are now in their lives because of the, the work that was made possible by the donors. So they got through this guided tour and they were laughing groups of 20, 25 people. They're laughing. They're crying. They're hugging. I watched... I've never seen so many people in a space just become so empathetic and so vulnerable that quickly. We created psychological safety at speed and scale by breaking them up in smaller groups of individuals because it becomes that much more easy to relate to other individuals. And so after that, then we led them into the cocktail area. It took us about 45 minutes to get 300 mm-hmm. people through that guided tour. Um, but there's so many different ways that we can do that. And you know what we know about that experience is that when the director of development called the donors on Monday or Tuesday and said, I want to learn more about you. Why'd you come? How can we continue to engage you? They're like, I've been to so many galas. I've never seen anything done like that. And that's what we want to create for our nonprofits. As I think about what you just described, it also creates a shared experience for everybody when they walk into the cocktail party. And so, so instead of oh, how, the questions being how was traffic today, you know, I, I got stuck on the highway. How did you come? You're able to have conversations about this shared experience that everybody just went through before hitting the floor of the cocktail party. Again, what a phenomenally good idea, Dolph. If you want to take it one step further, like what we did at this event is we brought the families, the stars of those videos into the room after everyone had been seated into their seats before the program wow. began. Wow. So those families were there to network and shake hands yeah. with the donors. And the families were magnified. Their presence was incredible because they're like, oh my God, these are celebrities. We're seeing them through the screens and boom, they're there. Yeah. Wow. That That is truly, truly phenomenal. So I, I, I see how you're creating 
connectedness and connection. What about that third C? The third C is the reason people come back. It's not oftentimes the reason people come. But if you nail the third C, they're going to want to come back over and over and over again. And it's community. Mm -hmm. Community. And so um, what's interesting is that you know, typically like intentional and purposeful nonprofit organizations stop after the first two C's. And they do those two things and they do those two things well. But the primary focus typically when we sit down with one of our, you know, CEO, executive director clients or director of development, we ask them, what's the most important objective at your event? And they say, well, we want to raise more money. I'm like, okay, beyond, besides the raising money, what's most important? We want to connect people to the mission. And the first two C's do that. They're going to help you raise more money. They're going to help you connect people to the mission, but they're not going to make people fall in love with you indefinitely and make it a forever thing. And that's what community is there to do. And we have to connect people to the deeper transcendent purpose, to vision, the deeper meaning. How are we changing the world and the community together as a group, You know, a group in solidarity here to, um, to leave the planet better than we found it? And, and you know, I'm going to ask you, can you give some real-life examples of ways you've seen organizations use their event to build community? Sure. Yeah, so I was actually a donor at um, an event. And they played this video of a little girl. Her name was Hannah. She was seven, eight, eight years old. And she had a terminal illness. And uh, it was a WISH organization. It wasn't the, the pop... the the you know, the, the national group that everybody knows, this was a different group that is local. And um, anyway, we're there. There's 150 of us in the room. This video plays with Hannah's story. And all Hannah wants to do is go see the Taylor Swift concert. And so after that video plays, two and a half minutes, everyone in there, there's not a dry eye in the room. We are bawling because it shows her journey the last four years that she's been struggling with cancer as a little girl. And all she knows is the four walls of the hospital, but she's so happy and she's so resilient and she's so powerful and poised and positive and still an optimist. And that touched us to our core in a way that nothing in my life ever really has touched me at an event in the way that this did. But here's what really made that part of the community and all of us come alive is they had blank note cards in front of us and they asked us to write a letter to her and her family. So we did. And we all wrote words of love. We were sharing, what are you writing? What, oh my God, what are you going to tell her? Let's make sure we're telling her this and that. And um, words of endearment and love and connection. And like, we're, we're here for you. A group of 150 strangers that have just now fallen in love with you. And they sent those the letters to her family. And two months later, they sent us a video of her getting that concert experience. Because after we wrote those letters... Heck yeah, we as a group of donors raised enough money for her to go to that experience. And we got the video texted to us, a two-minute video of her living that concert, meeting Taylor Swift, reading our letters on her couch with her family and her family crying. And so they closed the impact loop. And I shared that story on stage at Cause Camp and I started to cry uh, when I was speaking. And I just shared with the audience, this happened eight years ago. Wow. Eight years ago. And I'm still crying about what they did for me. Yeah. And I don't mean that to sound selfish. I mean, like I gave a gift to Hannah because I wanted to do something for her, but the organization actually served me. Right. And that is a beautiful thing right there. Right. And part of what you just shared, which I think is so powerful is 
instead of the organization just saying, sending you a letter saying, thanks for giving, and you know, then we'll see you again at the event next year, they closed the loop. They said, we told you about Hannah. Here's the difference you made in Hannah's life. And that's, that's powerful. Yeah, and um, unfortunately, she didn't make it. Hmm. She passed away a couple of weeks after her wish. Hmm. But the impact of that connection to that little girl still lives with me and will live with yeah. me for the rest of my life. Oh my gosh, wow. It's almost impossible for me to pivot from there, but I have to. And, and so I'd like to ask you about the science of it, because I, I know you've shared with me that this is all based in science. Yeah, so um, neuroscience-y things. I love it. <laughs> um, so this is, yes, yeah, so the brain is essentially divided into three parts. So let's unpack the neuroscience because everyone is, um, if you start to dabble with neuroscience, you understand the importance of creating uh, psychological safety. So the brain is divided into three parts. And, and by the way, this is based, you could Google this. It's based on the triune model of the brain, which was first presented by neuroscientists and doctors in the 1970s. And it's just one of many ways to make sense of how the brain is organized into different systems and areas. And so I want to make this super simple. But basically, if you hold the front of your head in between like where your third eye chakra is in between your, your eyes, mm -hmm. that's where your prefrontal cortex is. And also the outermost layer of your brain, pretty much all the way to the back of your brain is your neocortex. And so this area of the brain is the part of the brain that's online when we get into what some would call a flow state. It's like when deep thinking and reflection and learning happens, this part of the air, this part of the brain has to be online for that to happen. It's like time falls away, eight hours mm -hmm. go by when you're doing something you're passionate about, like Dolph maybe writing a book for you. And, um, and, and time just melts. It's just gone. So that part of the brain is online when that happens. Then there's the middle part of our brain. And you can argue that this is the area where the concept of love and belonging and emotions kind of live. And then there's the back part of our brain, which is the lizard brain or the amygdala or the monkey brain. And that's the area that is activated when we walk into an event with 500 strangers, no different than me last week, walking into an event by myself. Mm -hmm. And so that part of the brain and Dolph, same can be said for us. We're on this podcast on this stage and we're, we're thinking, hey, is what we're sharing right now, is this landing with an audience? Mm -hmm. Are we connecting with them? Are we sharing tips and tricks that they're finding valuable? That part of the brain is concerned with safety and security and making sure that we matter. Mm -hmm. And so you know, we're asking when we walk into an event, do I belong? And can I be myself with this group of people and still fit in? And so... One of the things that we've learned about psychological safety is that if we don't understand how important it is, our event communities will never do what they need to do. Hmm. Why is that? I believe it's because we thrive in community. You know, and I hate to beat a dead horse because I know we've been talking about this for the last three and a half years, but think about what happened during COVID. There was mm -hmm. chaos and pandemonium and fear. And you could say that that's a cyclical thing that, that happened. Well, I mean, if you look at the world right now, it's, if you look at you know, history, those cycles continue to repeat themselves. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's chaos, there's isolation, there's fear. And when we get in community, we feel connected. Mm 
We feel connected to source. We feel connected to people around us. We want to cling to our neighbors and our friends because that matters to us. Think about how the planet would feel if it was just you, right? Like if you woke up one day and everybody else was gone, what would you do? Where would you go? It's a, I mean, it's a pretty stark reality, but if you can imagine that, think about, wow, I'm going to go and like hug my best friend today. I'm going to go and make up with that person that I had a tiff with, a silly argument, like call that person, have that conversation, invite those individuals over for dinner, make time for people. And that's where we thrive as human beings. It's been a part of our primal nature for thousands and thousands of years living as tribes. And that hasn't changed today. We thrive in community. But, you know, if, if we go back to, you know, when we're primal uh, and how we've evolved over time, if, if, you know, if a neighboring tribe came and tried to take over our land or to take our supplies, we would see that as a threat. Mm-hmm. And that's the same when we walk into a, uh, you know, into a new community of 500 people where our, our amygdala is firing, thinking who of these individuals might potentially pose a threat to me. Mm-hmm. And if we can help everyone just sort of relate to each other and bring that, you know, that barrier of defensiveness down in mm-hmm. the brain, realize, oh my God, they have a family. They have kids that are the same ages. We start to relate to each other in really meaningful ways. And we stop thinking that people are a threat. And we're starting to realize that, wow, these individuals care just like I do. Hmm. They want to make this this nonprofit or they want to be a part of this event or this community. They want to make this nonprofit better just the same as I. Hmm. So So it really all boils down to that connection and that community and creating content that builds that connection in that community. That's phenomenal. Joey, on the podcast, we always want to build connection and community as well. Obviously, we want to provide great content. But, but you know, for us, the content is, is the, the forum for us to build connection and community, both with our friends who listen and also with our guests. And for the first 300 and something episodes, we did, we did that in part through something we called the off-the-map question. Well, after 300 plus episodes, I'm tired of the off the map questions. So we're transitioning to something new called two truths and a lie. You've played this game before. Tell me two truths and a lie. And I'm going to try to guess which one's the lie. Ooh. um, Okay. I, I once ate broccoli for all three of my meals in a day. Two, I hiked the entire Grand Canyon, 20 miles. And three... I have written and published a book. Okay. Um, I think you have hiked the Grand Canyon. I think you have written and published a book. So I'm going to say broccoli. The broccoli is true. No way. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, so, so I'm curious, is that all you had for all three meals or? <laughs> I, had, I was on a cleanse. So I did just green juice and okay. broccoli wow. for uh, it was three days in a row. Wow. Okay. Um, so then, so then, which of the other two is is not true? It is my my aspiration is to write and publish a book, but I Got have it. not done that yet. Got it. Okay. 
Okay. Because, yeah, like, I felt pretty confident. It's why the very first thing I said, like, oh, yeah, no, you hiked Grand Canyon. Like, uh, like you and I have met each other in person. We, we spent some time chatting. Um, you, you sent me a video where we talked about some stuff. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I think I'm pretty sure you hiked Grand Canyon. Okay. So um, over time, I'm going to get better at this so far. I'm 0-2. But uh, over time, I'm going to get better at this and, and hopefully start to guess people's lies. Joey, th- thank you so much. I'm, I'm incredibly grateful that you came on to share those three C's content, connection, and community, and really how our organizations can help really use content and connecting and community to have incredible events. And friend, if you were interested in reaching out to Joey and seeing what his company could do to help you all have content, connection, and community at your next event, then you should go to utopiaexperience.com. At that website, you can learn about everything the company does, and you can find some ways that maybe you can fit them into a future event so that you can do more, connect more, and frankly, raise more. You also, by the way, they sent us an incredible slide deck on Utopia's services, but the URL on it's really long. So instead of reading you a URL that will cause everyone to drop off this podcast, we're going to link to it in our show notes. Um, And additionally, if you just want some advice, I have to share with you that Joey's made an incredibly generous offer to offer a free discovery call with his team to discuss your next gala, your next conference, or your organization's video story. And so in our show notes at SuccessfulNonprofits.com, we are also going to link to his Calendly for scheduling that. Joey, thank you again for being on the podcast and sharing this with our friends. Thank you, Dolph. I greatly appreciate you having me today. And friends, in the world of event planning, I think part of my takeaway from today is that the magic really lies in the experience that we create. And what we have to be focused on are those three C's, content, connection, and community. If you had some good takeaways from today's episode, there are two other episodes you should consider listening to. The first is Content Marketing Gold with Rick Smith, and that's episode 241. And the second is episode 312, Turn Your Next Gala into a Gold Mine with A.J. Steinberg. That, my friends, is our episode for the week. I hope that you have gained some insight to help you and your nonprofit thrive. And, you know, friends, the lawyers make me do a disclaimer in every episode. So here goes. I'm not an accountant an attorney, nor a neuroscientist. So neither I nor the consulting practice provide accounting, legal, or neuroscience advice. Please, if that is what you need, find a licensed, qualified person and get the counsel that you need. Now, if you need an attorney or an accountant and you're not sure who to reach out to, please, you can always reach out to me and I can help you figure out what specialty would be best for you. And if I know someone in your area, I'm happy to make a connection. If you need a neuroscientist, unfortunately, I probably am not going to be much help in helping you figure out what type of neuroscientist you want to reach out to.